Good morning, Gateway Church. We're a growing family after God's heart. As you see, I have a bottle of Gatorade right here with me today. I picked it up before I came, and uh, I'm a little dry. This is my favorite. This is good. This is my favorite flavor, just the original, lemon-lime. You guys, you like this one here? It's great. And uh, you know the story of Gatorade? I mean, it's kind of a funny name, isn't it? Gatorade? It's like, is it a beverage for alligators? Gatorade. I mean, who came up with such a name as that? Gatorade. Well, you probably know the story. It's kind of a fun story. It, the, the story goes all the way back into the 1960s. And the Florida Gators football team, you know, the hot sun and practicing. And, I mean, you know, they would lose all of their fluids almost. And it wasn't like water was cutting it. At least that's what they thought. A group of scientists in the medicine side of in the Florida, University of Florida, got together. And they came up with this drink, Gatorade. And, and, and the, the science behind it, the power behind it, is that once your body loses these certain fluids, electrolytes. You drink this stuff, right? I mean, I'm a believer. Can, can't you tell? You need those electrolytes. And, and, uh, and so they did an experiment, like 10 players, all right? 10 players started drinking Gatorade. And in the 1960s, I think it was like 1967, the Florida Gators went to the Orange Bowl. I think it was the Orange Bowl, and they beat the Buckeyes. No, they didn't beat the Buckeyes. <laughs> Tom's going, no, really? No, Tom, don't worry about it. It's boo, Buckeyes. But they played the, yellow, the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, I think it is, and they beat them. The Gators beat them. And the coach for the Yellow Jackets, Bobby Dodd, was asked why his team lost. Quote, here's what he said. He said, we didn't have Gatorade. That made the difference. Now, I don't know if he was joking or if he really thought that was what made the difference. Gatorade. Florida Gators. You know what they say now. Their, their little phrase is what? Is it in you? Is it in you? The implication of the slogan is you can have a pantry or a refrigerator full of Gatorade, but if it isn't in you, it can't help you. It can't release the needed and depleted electrolytes. If you don't, what? I love this stuff. <laughs> if you don't drink it, I'm going to have to use the bathroom in about 10 minutes. <laughs> little guy, little bladder. Too much information. <laughs> I'm going to ask you the same question this morning. Is it in you? Not Gatorade, but something else. I will define the it when we read the passage of Scripture 
in our study through 1 John. We come now to 1 John chapter 2, verse 14. It's a great verse. You can find it in your Bibles. But before we read the verse, I'm not asking if you possess it. We all possess it. Once you read the scripture, you're going to know, I possess it. I have it. But I'm not asking if you possess it. I'm asking if it possesses you. I'm not asking if you're at home in it. I'm asking if it is at home in you. Is it in you? The it that I'm referring to is the way to victory over the evil one. We all battle on three fronts. The flesh, the world, the devil. Listen, do you want to consistently win more battles than you lose? I hope everyone says, yes. I'm not saying that you're never going to lose any battle in life. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, question, do you want to win more battles than you lose? Well, you got to get it in you. What is the it? Well, let's read the passage. 1 John 2, 14. This is a great, I just, this is a one, there's times when you go, oh, great. This is a wonderful passage. I can't, I'm so happy that I get to preach this passage. Oh, he had to preach a tough passage last week, right? Flipping through our study in 1 Timothy, you get to 2, you get into this section, verses 12 through 14, I'm going, wow, this is a great verse. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God, what? Lives, dwells, where? In you. Not asking if you possess it, I'm asking if it possesses you. Is it at home in your heart? This is the second time John said this. I don't have verse 13 on the screen, but in your Bibles, you can see in the middle of verse 13, John said, I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. He says it two times. These young men are strong, and how are they strong? Question. They are strong, answer, because they have it in them. What's it? The word of God is abiding in them. That's what makes them strong. It's in them. The word of God lives in you. Of course, it's not just true of young men. John singles them out because there's a special role for young men in the battle. For any church to be strong, it's young men have to be strong. I used to be there. When I think of young men, here's the age category that I'm thinking of. Early 20s, into the mid-30s, all right? Those are 
I'll tell you the young, the young guys, the young men. Elliot, he's a young guy. You're probably 19 or 20, right? How old are you, Elliot? 19. 19. You're a young man. Elliot is on fire for the Lord. I mean, this guy comes and talks to me and says, I got, I got to get baptized. It's like, when can I get baptized? And I'm just, I'm trying to figure out, okay, we got all, all of this stuff to do. And it's like, next week, we will fill the tank up for you, Elliot. You want to get baptized because you know this is a step of obedience. Turn the faucet on. You want to get baptized today. Let's turn the water on, but let's do it next week. But I mean, if you have to get baptized today, somebody turn the water on. He's a young man. He's on fire for the Lord. He's 19 years old. That's what makes a church strong. Where's Pastor Colin? See it in youth or in children? He's in his early 30s, I think, right? Tom, how old are you? 29.9. He's old. <laughs> he's a young man. Look, look, there's Tom. He's got his, his beautiful first daughter. He's a young man. Pray for the young men in our church. Pray that they would be strong in the word of God. That's how our church is going to be strong. If you're a young man, you're at a time in your life when you are the strongest you will ever be physically. Now, I, I, I said that to David back there. He's a young guy too, David Halbachen. Some of these guys are in our training for elders. And he kind of, you know, he was like, oh, I, I could tell. He didn't say it to me. He was like, I'm going to always be strong. I'll prove, I'll prove them wrong. I'll always, it's like, yeah, we all thought that when we were your age, David. <laughs> Guess what? That, this is the strongest you will be physically. And our prayer is that you would be stronger spiritually. And the only way you're going to be stronger spiritually is if you got it in you. The word of God lives in you. My daughter-in-law, Marin, she gave this verse, talked about this verse, read this verse. Her son told me. Somebody told me. It's like, Christopher, that's you. My son, it's like, yeah, the word of the Lord lives in you. Challenge you, young men, get serious about hiding the word in your heart. Start now. It's what makes you strong, Elliot. You know that. I love what the Apostle Paul wrote to a young man who's Timothy. He was a young preacher. He said in 1 Timothy 4.12, Don't let anyone look down on you because you're a young pup. (laughs) 
Set an example for them. How? For the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't wait around until you get old like me to say, oh, I'm going to finally get myself serious with Jesus. Don't wait. You get, you get weaker in the body, so to speak. Don't waste your years, your strong years on worldly pursuits. Set an example. Now, the principle is the same for every Christian, old or young, man or woman, the evil one, the devil, is conquered by the strength that comes from having the word of God abide where in us. That's the main point I want to emphasize today. That's the one thing. Just write it down. This is the one thing that I want you to leave with today. Our strength to triumph over the evil one comes from the word of God abiding where? In us. If you don't get anything else, get that. Your strength to overcome the evil one. All the accusations he throws at you, all the temptations he tempts you with comes from having the word of God where? Abiding in us. Another way to say that the word of God abides in us is to say, I believe it. I love that song, we believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ the Son. We welcome the word. We receive it, embrace it. We treasure the truth of it. Don't minimize the crucial place of the word of God. That's how we overcome the evil one. Never think that, well, I can just leave the word behind. No, you can't. You never can leave the word behind. You can never say, oh, I'm going to read books about the Bible and not really read the Bible. Don't do that. Don't just read books, good authors who write about the Bible. Discipline yourself to read the Bible. Some of us know more about authors who write about the Bible than the Bible itself. Encourage you. Put the author down for a for a season. And read the Bible. You can't leave the word behind. Is it in you? The word abides is a present tense, that verse. Present tense verb, that means continually abides. It means the word settles down and makes its home in you. So you got to immerse yourself in it and let it abide in you so that you may live in the triumph over the evil one. So how do we get it in us? I'm going to tell you how it works for me. That's all I know how to do. This is how it works for me. This is how I get it in me. I call it three Ps. The three Ps. It's how you get it in you. It starts with a plan. Yearly. You have to plan, have a plan of how you're going to read your way through the Bible. Wishing you were in the Word, listen, is not a plan. That's not a plan. 
That's like, okay, well, then maybe I'll get into it. Maybe I won't. Doesn't really, it's not a priority. you got to have a yearly plan. I've told you my plan a million times. I, I will tell you my plan a million more times, right? You've heard my plan. I'm going to tell you my plan again to get in the Bible. Here's my plan. I read the New Testament. I read, I start, I read Matthew. I got my, right where I left off, I read a gospel. When I'm done with the gospel, Matthew. Let's just say, for instance, I'm going through Matthew. Once I get done with Matthew, then what I do is I go to Romans. And I read through Romans. And then once I'm done with Romans, I go back, and then I start through the gospel of Mark. And I read my way through Mark. And when I'm done with Mark, then I go to 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And when I'm done reading 1 and 2 Corinthians, what do I do? I go all the way back, and I read through Luke. And when I'm done with Luke, I go to Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians. And when I'm done with that, then I go all the way back, and I read through John. You get where I'm going with this? I got bookmarkers. Now I read in the Old Testament. Now it's tougher in the Old Testament. But I got my bookmarker right in the Old Testament. I'm in 2 Kings now. I'll read, I'll read a little bit. I don't get legalistic about it. Then I might read a, a proverb for the day. What's the date today? Proverbs 8? I might read Proverbs 8. I'm not legalistic. It probably won't. 150 psalms, right? 150 psalms divided by 30 is what? Five psalms. So what's the date today? The eighth times five, 40. That means somewhere in Psalm 36 to Psalm 40. You got to have a plan. Secondly, paragraph. I want to challenge you with something. Memorize a paragraph of Scripture each month. That's how the Word dwells, lives, and abides in you. you got to make it a part of your life, your thinking. That's how you get it swirling inside your head, your brain. you got to memorize something. For me, the passage is this. 1 John 3. 19 through 24, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our heart condemns us, we know that God is what? Greater than our hearts and he knows all things. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, right? I'm not looking what what I just looked. We have (laughs) confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we do what pleases him. I tell you, you memorize a passage and you begin to get that in your mind, you start thinking about it. That's how you're strong. The enemy comes at me 
and begins to, my heart condemns me many times. You're no good. Blah, blah, blah. You know how that works, right? And the Lord brings this word back to me. And it's like, if my heart condemns me, guess what? God is greater than my heart, devil. You can try to condemn me all you want, but my God is greater than my heart, and he knows all things. Get behind me. And if you, you memorize a passage per month, I already got my next passage in Romans 8 for next month in December, picked out. 12. Can you imagine if you memorize 12 passages in one year? The kind of impact that would have. It would be amazing. Friends, you'd begin to think differently. You would start thinking more biblically because that, that, that word would get inside your brain. And then a phrase daily. So you got a plan yearly, a paragraph monthly, and then a phrase daily. What do I mean by that? You can read in your, your, the word daily. But if you, don't, if you don't read saying, Holy Spirit, listen to me, folks. Sky, this is, works. you got to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And as I read, that's, I say, Holy Spirit. Come on, Holy Spirit. What's the phrase today? I got, I got the paragraph, the passage for the month. But what are you saying to me right now? Last week, it was this phrase, Romans 8, 6. It's not a big, long passage. It's just a phrase. The mind governed by the flesh is what? Death. But the mind controlled by the spirit is what? Life and peace. And so what did I do? Wednesday, Thursday. I, I, I said, What's going on in my brain? Is there death in there? Is my thoughts more thoughts that are not giving life? Holy Spirit, but if you control my mind, your word says that it's life and peace. Folks, it works. Each day, ask the Holy Spirit, what's the phrase that you want me to know? Plan, paragraph, a phrase. And here's what happens. As we consume the word and it gets in us, the word begins to consume us. And one of the byproducts is that the evil one and all his accusations and temptations are defeated. And it's the word that defeats the enemy. This is powerful. 1 Timothy 2.14, I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Give us a hunger for your word today, God. May we long to be in the word. To have it transform our thinking. 
to defeat the enemy. Give us a plan, a plan that you have for us. Help us meditate on paragraphs. Give us a word every day, a phrase. God, I want to hear testimonies. The power of your word. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to close today by just remembering and saying thank you to Jesus for his salvation. So we're going to have a time of communion. We have the elements right here, different stations around the facility here in the worship center. When Jesus gathered his disciples and had that last communion together, he talked about the word. He said to them, the disciples, you would be sanctified. Sanctify them, Father, he prayed. Sanctify them in the truth. And he said, your word is truth. And so, as we give thanks to the Lord today, as we take that bread and just dip it in the juice, I want to say to the Lord, thank you for your gift, the gift of salvation, what you did for me, how you forgave my sin. And I want to be set apart for the rest of my days for you. I want to live the rest of my days in your word, by your word, with your word. That's the cool thing about communion. Is that it's a fresh start. Check your own heart first. Say, God, by your spirit, if there's some stuff that I need to make right, I want to make it right. If I need to make some things right with people, I want to do that. I want a fresh start. And then once you're, you're done making things right, and you just come. You partake. You, you eat of the bread, drink of the cup. If you're new to Gateway Church and you don't understand all of this, it's okay. You don't have to participate in communion. And have the worship team come at this time. And have those folks who are going to help us here take some time seek the Lord pray some music begins to play I'm just going to open up the service for, for the body of Christ to just come and receive communion Once again, it's in symbolic form. The bread is symbolic of the body of Christ, which was broken for us.
and we take this bread and we dip it in that which is symbolic of the shed blood of Jesus Christ that forgives us of our sins. And so, Lord, we do give you thanks, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We believe in you, Jesus. It's a good time to reaffirm what you believe, the truth about who Jesus is and why he came. What that means in the way you conduct yourself and how you live your life. Jesus, you're the center. Be the center of everything. Let's participate together.